and so I come home and my roommate's watching this fancy MTV Cribs where celebrities just kind of showing off their house and it's an episode with David Harbour he's showing off his place and it's towards, sort of towards the end and as they're walking out in the hallway David Harbour points out a framed comic book of Red Guardian's first appearance and they're kind of like oh what's this and he's like gives him this big shit-eating grin and it's like you just wait you just wait till may and i was like absolutely not <laughs> that movie's gonna get delayed and then delayed and it's never gonna come out <laughs> no one will ever see this movie it's just gonna perpetually never come out because the pandemic's always going to happen and this movie is just never going to come out we we should <laughs> don't even want to talk about it until it's absolutely out already and then we can schedule it he's just he has absolutely no idea what's about to happen that's nick edwards referencing an interview david harbour did with architectural digest and nick's right marvel's black widow did not release may 1st 2020 which was the original release date so the movie would go on to get postponed a total of two more times. But the interesting thing about it, which postponing movies during the pandemic was not uncommon. This, plenty of other movies did that. The way Disney went about it, though, they were pretty much gaslighting the media. Every time the media is looking around the world and they're asking, hey, are you going to postpone Black Widow? Disney would stick to their guns and say, no, we're not. Even when it got to the point of them postponing it to May 7th, 2021. And by that time, I think we already had seen what was going on with HBO Max and them having same-day releases on their platform. Disney was like, nope, not us. That's HBO Max. There's no HB or O in Disney+. Plus." And then May 7th is coming around, and there's still no Black Widow's going to be released only in theaters. We're not putting it on Disney+. And sure enough, it gets postponed to July 9th, and in addition to releasing in theaters, it will simultaneously be released on Disney+. I mean, it makes sense because last summer, if you remember, what people thought might bring people back into the theaters was a movie called Tenant, and it did not at all. So Disney really wanted to make sure that whenever they released Black Widow, A, it did need to be released in theaters, but B, people needed to go see this movie. It needed to have a showing in the theaters that would at least be positive in the press. And for the most part, that's what they've gotten. So we have about 80 million in theaters right now from the opening weekend. But here's the kicker, or not even the kicker, here's an additional point. Disney went on to make sure people knew that it also made 60 million on Disney Plus. Now, if you're like, well, how does that compare to previous movies they've released on Disney Plus? That's the thing, they didn't go bragging about the money they made from those previous movies. So I would assume that it's nowhere close, that this is the first success that they've had releasing in theaters and Disney Plus. And it's, uh, not to also discount, 78 million overseas. 
So, as far as the in-theater, though, the opening box office, how does that compare? Well, I was looking through, and there's no way, there's no way this movie is going to compare to, like, a opening box office movie of Endgame. But I went back to uh, 2018 when we have Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that opening weekend was $75 million. So, Black Widow, it is a higher than what Ant-Man and the Wasp were, and we were all going to theaters normally in 2018. And I'm pretty sure that I used Movie Pass to see that movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm like very certain that that's what I was using. That was a great, man, rest in peace Movie Pass. What a great idea. But anyway, was this too little too late, though? After over a year from when this movie was supposed to come out, was it worth the wait? I mean, does it still have the impact that it would have had if it released May 1st, 2020? That's honestly what we're going to be diving into today in the pod. So get ready. If you haven't seen Black Widow, this is your spoiler alert because anything forward, we're going to jump right in. All right. This is John's Mostly Movie Podcast. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome to John's Mostly Movie Podcast. I'm joined by Nick Edwards today and producer James. We're going to get into it with some Black Widow talk later on in the podcast, also talking about the season, not series, season finale of Loki because it has been renewed for a second season on Disney Plus. How'd you guys feel about the Loki season one finale? Just, I'm, I'm assuming you watched that. Everyone watched that, correct? Everybody watched that. Yes. Everybody watched that. It is something that, um, spoilers are showing up on Twitter a lot earlier now. I know, right? It used to be on Friday, usually about 2, 3 o'clock. That's when stuff might be, people would be flirting around with it. Today, 9 a.m., see, Tofu's upset of it. What were your thoughts on the season finale? I loved it. It was great. Uh, I think that this is actually setting up the new Thanos-level big bad here that's going to last for several years and movies' worth of stuff. Uh, I think they picked a, a good actor to to, to take this over. Um, there's going to be a lot of personality in presumably many different iterations of the same character. And I love the introduction here of He Who Remains. And uh, I, I like a lot of the culmination of what, what, what happened overall. Yeah, so is Miss Minutes Mephisto or? Yes. Okay, good. I saw somewhere that Miss Minutes and Mr. DNA would get along. <laughs> and I thought that was ludicrous because Mr. DNA is about science, not whatever propaganda bullshit Miss Minutes is pushing, okay? Uh, I, when we do Jurassic Park, I actually have a counter argument to you, sir. Uh, about how scientifically accurate Mr. DNA is. What did you think of Loki? I thought Jonathan Majors stole the episode. I thought his introduction into, you know, Kang the Conqueror, Immortus, or He Who Remains, as all of us have used 
those names. I thought, I honestly thought that this episode and everything did for me what I was expecting, what we would get out of Black Widow, as far as Black Widow being one of the first movies in the Phase 4, kind of going in some way to point towards the direction that it was going. Um, But this truly did give us a big direction as to who could potentially be the, quote, big bad of the phases going forward and what that looks like. And I'm about it. It's very terrifying and it's very compelling to just... What summed it all for, up all for me was when Sylvie stabs him and his reaction is, see you soon. And it's, it's just so... It's hard because we got to remind ourselves that even though this guy was doing like universal genocide to depending on like where he was going or what was happening in the timeline he was the quote good one the good variant of them all and so what's coming is something that is even worse and i like that i like where they left us off i definitely want to see more owen wilson as mobius owen wilson as mobius is just you know what here's something interesting and i don't know if you guys were able to find it I didn't get a wow from Owen Wilson as Mobius. He, we, we didn't get anything, and I'm like, oh, my God. There was a, an official like press release at some point. Uh, <laughs> that said he would not say it. That specifically said it, it was not in the script. Uh, he, says, he says how at one point uh, in a very similar uh, tone, but uh, not a wow. They're, they're saving the wow for when he gets a jet ski. If he gets a jet ski at the end of season two... And that's like the arc of his character. Go fuck yourself to whoever got that job and wrote that in. But also congratulations because you're filling my heart. Yeah. And I could use some more Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. Do you think he'll be coming back? A shame he's been obliterated from <laughs> all existence. Yeah. But yeah the but one now, thing that it is. But now the timelines are changing. Oh yeah, no. If we could, if we can get uh, more Richard E. Grant as uh, listed in the credits as classic Loki, uh, yeah, one hundred percent. I would just watch a show of him uh, be bopping around New York, uh, sure. trying to make a living. I would watch great. a two-episode series of Alligator Loki in the Animal Kingdom. Every character is an animal version of whether it's all alligators into it so it's an alligator thor it's an alligator odin everything alligator asgard um gator guard or whatever they're gonna call it um i was gonna do alligard but alligard is great yeah uh i saw somebody did a fake comic page and it was just the them redoing the scene in thor where odin's like loki my son there's something i need to tell you you're adopted and like and it goes to alligator loki and he's just so surprised and he's crying like it was it was it was a it was a great image that's terrific i tell people my sister moved out west you're a science teacher your husband he renovates houses you're thinking about moving but you're gonna wait until the interest rates go down that's not my story. It happened. The question was, will it ever happen? And it did. Your eyes watched this film. Could you believe it? I can't it? believe it. You no. couldn't believe it? No, sir. I mean, it's it. 
don't be too hard on yourself as far as thinking it wouldn't release because as we just talked about in the previous conversation with Loki, there are timelines branching all over. So in one of those, you were correct. And they're recording the pod and you're gloating and you're just like, I told you. And we're talking probably about No Sudden Move by Steven Sondheim instead. Because that Disappointing was film, by the way. Uh, it was, you know what? I watched it too the other day and it was... What's the ending that threw me? That's what it got you. Okay, I agree with that. The ending was kind of lackluster into it, but I did enjoy seeing some of his favorite actors just popping up because they could. Um, but in this universe, Black Widow did release. We did see it, and we're going to talk about it. You and win I, this one, David Harbor. Yeah, David Harbor, Architectural Digest. I had to go back, and I just wanted. I was watching the interview, and I was like. There it is. There's that shit-eating grin that Nick was talking about. Um, let's. To be fair, he was the best part of the movie. <laughs> he was. He was pretty great. He was very good. And that's actually. I want to let's talk a little more on that. But I want to return a little segment we call marshmallows and weenies. We're gonna go around the initial thoughts campfire, and we're gonna throw some things on it. Um, if we enjoyed this aspect of the film, we're gonna count it as a marshmallow, and we're gonna toast that marshmallow on the fire. If we didn't. We're going to count that as weenie. Apologies for the people who prefer savory over sweet. David Harbour, he gets the marshmallow. He was great. Well, let's start with that. We got the Red Guardian, David Harbour playing it. Nick, it's a, it's just a full marshmallow. You want to elaborate a little? Uh, he gets to showcase uh, his physicality as well as humor and his uh, little bit of range there. This American, this Russian. Uh, we get to see a bored spy as well as a excited former Soviet superhero who's clearly lying about Captain America. I enjoyed uh, the, the, the whole thing. Um, and he, he, just like he eventually grew with his daughters as the story progresses, his performance as a father grew with me as I watched it happen. Agreed. Also weenie, or no, also marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would put it for a marshmallow as well. He was great. His humor was great, which I knew coming into it that it would be that. I kind of wish we got a little more Red Guardian. I, I mean, what, from what we did get, I enjoyed, especially when he was fighting Taskmaster and Taskmaster's using the shield. It's just those, I wanted to see him be a little excited to fight someone with the shield or just reference like, yeah, done this before, <laughs> when he clearly has never. I love that he's trying to get back in his suit because uh, I've got those Ghostbuster outfits I wear annually <laughs> and it's exactly like that. I got to spend it much time and grunting to get uh, squeezed into that flight suit. <laughs> it still fits. <laughs> still fits. There we go. The glory days. Yeah. My, my favorite uh, detail in the entire movie were his knuckle tattoos. I couldn't read register Carl with Carl <laughs> and Marks. <laughs> Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. All right, next point to it. So Black Widow takes place even though this is the first movie, like we've mentioned, in the Phase 4 universe, it actually takes place prior to 
phase four or whichever timeline that is takes place after civil war before infinity war when the avengers have in a sense disbanded captain america black widow are on the run tony stark is tony starking um how did how did this work out for you did that did then the timeline being after civil war prior to infinity war was that a positive for you that a marshmallow for me doug um I knew it was a prequel going in and I thought the entirety of the movie would take place like in the like 2005, like, like an end with her meeting Hawkeye. And so the fact that this is taking place in the middle of her Avengers career is actually a benefit to me. I, I, there was a surprise and everything happening in the middle of stuff instead of all pre black widow career it was a benefit uh, they, they could dive right into the same old marvel stuff without having to explain too much and they were able to squeeze in a pretty tight uh spy story mm. uh the, the timing worked out for me I, I i liked it quite a bit marshmallow i kept watching this movie expecting something in the third act that would have placed this movie or, or hinted to something in this movie or led up to something after this movie that made it such that this movie couldn't have come out uh, between Civil War and Infinity War. And while there was the after credits scene setting up that you know, they're gonna they're gonna do their Dark Avengers and she's gonna be the 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 bad Black Widow uh, along with the guy from. Uh, what's his name? U.S. Agent. Um, which this was again supposed to be uh, the first hint of uh, that character Val going around and recruiting her uh, her own Avenger team. Um, and for that, again, probably not the movie's fault, but on the arbitrary scale of weenies and marshmallows, I'm going to say weenie. Yeah. Um. Two, I'm going to go with a weenie only because I keep alluding to, and it's not the film's fault, but at the same time, this is the what they placed the film in. I didn't see any reason for this movie to be released at the point that it did. I thought if you're releasing it after Infinity War and Endgame, we're going to get some, it's going to be a bridge of some information between then and what we're about to go into. And yes, we did have the after credit scene, that is also alluding to the Hawkeye series coming that, you know, and Florence Puig will be showing up in there. And, but I'm thinking now, if this released when it was supposed to, this would have been our first introduction to Judy, Judy Louise Dreyfus. She would have then picked up, right? right? Julie? You said Judy. Oh, sorry. Uh, Julie uh, Louise Dreyfus. And the second point would have been coming up in uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. So it just... For me, I don't think this movie getting postponed did it any favors. Maybe if it came out when it was supposed to, yeah, you know, we would still be on the remembering Infinity War and Endgame and wanting to go into it. But those seem so far that I just think that when this movie uh, was placed as far as like between after Civil War, it I get it. It makes sense in the context of the film and the story, but didn't really serve anything outside of that. So I'm going to put it as a weenie because I 
from where they were releasing this movie, I think the way they were advertising it, that we were going to get much more information and this was going to set up more of the future. And all it did was just dive a little more. The way they were advertising it, um, told there were no promises to me that this tied in with anything else. It was outside of it being phase four though. That's the thing about it. If you're going to place it at that, I, I mean, cause pretty much in Endgame, they closed the door on a lot of scenarios of her coming back. And yet she's going to get her own movie. And mind you, it was great seeing Scarlett Johansson again as black widow, because I love that character and her fate in Endgame is heartbreaking just because of who she is and who she has been in the series. And then to add this on top, knowing that that's, that's what it has in store for her. It sucks. At the same time, I, it, it came up a little short as to what I was hoping for in that. Yeah. I had the same issue with WandaVision because mm-hmm. it was the literally the first thing we're watching and I was putting a lot of shit onto WandaVision and what I'm expecting from it. But at no point were they like, oh, by the way, there's going to be mutants in here. Oh, by the way, Mephisto's going to be the bad guy. No one ever said that in the show. I was just like, oh, well, all this shit's going to happen, right? They're going to fucking bring back Hugh Jackman and all the fucking X-Men. And it didn't happen. And I was like, WandaVision fucking sucks. <laughs> but like, Did you need Hugh Jackman at the end of the series walking through? But and I... Did you that miss was, that? That was all on me. You <laughs> didn't see that scene? I missed the end credits. I need to go back. That was all on me. I, I at no point did the show promising me that stuff. I was just expecting it because I'm an idiot, and I can't blame Wandavision for not bringing in all of the Fox mutants. Even though I was thinking, "Oh, this might be the place they're going to go," and then it just didn't. And I think you might be having a similar reaction here with Black Widow, it, because I don't think at any point did Black Widow promise any of that stuff, other than this is a prequel story about black widow that's true it never directly but i think i'm what i'm holding against it is the place of where they placed it as far as it being a phase four movie like being like this is a part of it although i i will say there is a if a, a balance to be struck with these marvel movies that sometimes works well and sometimes doesn't mm-hmm. i'm thinking of iron man 2 as a doesn't situation where like You've got the plot of this movie that you have to tell, but also at this point now, mostly there are there are through narratives, and it makes sense that they've just wrapped up one of their big storylines, and this is going to be a fun one-off adventure. Mm-hmm. But also, to a degree, we're now trained to be looking at every like computer screen for names that might be hinting towards a clue of somebody that's going to show up a, a couple movies from now. And this wasn't that kind of movie. Right. Yeah, in which case I would argue that the beginning is the perfect place to put it, as opposed to, like, uh, somewhere between Spider-Man being filleted by Immortus, and like, and we're like, what the fuck's going to happen? And it's like, oh, by the way, I'm Black Widow, and this is my family in junk. And it's like, we're like, oh, what the fuck? Remember <laughs> when this lady died five years ago? <laughs> yeah. It- yeah, so, so the, I think a self-contained story here at the beginning, before anything keeps rolling, I think this is this is where we needed it. Uh, jumping to our last point real quick, because then I do want to return here. I have a question to ask both of you that we can like munch on. Uh, but last point for Marshmallow and Weenies before we get into talking to the film. CG pigs. We had some CG pigs come through. And I'll be honest with you, and I don't know, maybe it was just... I knew they were not 
real pigs in the sense of because of what they were doing. But I was fine with the CG. I was fine with the pigs coming through. Uh, I got a text from you, James, uh, with your thoughts on it. But for me, the CG pigs, that's going to be a little bit of a marshmallow. I'm going to let you elaborate on the text that you sent me during the film and let you know, tell me your result. But yeah, marshmallow for me on the CG pigs. I, I'm going to have to give it a weenie. It's, it's got to be a weenie. Uh, I, I appreciate that they made computer-generated animals to abuse instead of abusing actual animals. So I'll give them that. Uh, but I, I think I mentioned before we started recording that a lot of these movies somehow, at least in my brain, as my brain is translating the signals my eyes are sending them watching these movies, the CG that they do in most cases tends to be pretty seamless, or at least has been for the last bunch of years. And I found myself through that whole sequence just staring at these pigs and my brain saying, no, that's not right. That's not a pig. Marshmallow. Nick, do you have... uh, okay. I, I had no idea those are CG pigs. I, <laughs> I, in fact, I still think they're, they're real and you guys are fucking with me. <laughs> As normal, uh, when I have a complaint about a movie, it's it's actually just totally a thing in my own head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that being said, uh, in, like Infinity War, like any time it showed Mark Ruffalo's head in the Hulkbuster armor, it looked fake as shit. And, and like when when Don Cheadle's walking around looking for his fallen comrades after everybody's been dusted, it looks like a obviously Don Cheadle's head's been green screen on top of a war machine armor, like. Fair enough. Though, like that's where it. Uh, so I, I can see some chinks in the CG armor here. I just did not see it in these pigs. That's fair. Raise some. You raise some fine points. Those are fair. All right. Yeah. Also, I was drinking every time they drank in this movie, which I appreciate the amount of times uh, characters are drinking alcohol. In you this. always appreciate the times characters are drinking alcohol. Yeah, and this, this I think, might be the record for the Marvel movies. It makes sense, given, you know, where they're going. Drinking is a part of the culture in the Widow community. Um, okay. I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Widow community coming to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I, I did, though, uh, text John. I remember there were, like, tw- 24 minutes left in the movie. Uh, and I said, uh, Disney Plus TV show pitch, just the widows, and it's just the the survivors from the Red Room going off on missions, uh, doing stuff without brainwashing and, and trying to make the world a better place after having gone around and assassinated uh, world leaders for however many years. Uh, and then they all got away. They all got onto a, a helicopter with the Red Guardian and uh, the, the other... Uh, Yelena? What's her name? Yelena. Yeah. Melina. I, yeah, Iron Maiden. Yes. Uh, well, and uh, the the her sister, the Yelena. Yelena. Uh, all of them. But everybody survived. They all got in a helicopter and flew away. So now I'm like, I want to wa- show me what they're going off to do because well, they're going to well, go do cool well, shit. Based on Ray Winstone's uh, map, it looked like that there were active widows all over the world. Yes. So I think they're going to go and try to unbrainwash the rest of the, the widows. Cool. And that's show, give me give that's me a serious. show that exactly. is just 
every every week we've got a list of a couple there are a couple of widows in this city we got to go find them and hit them with the spray and then bring them into the fold i got a crazy idea do you know the opening of mash yes okay so you know how the opening of mash you have that helicopter coming in mm-hmm. okay but this is the opening it's the helicopter with the widows and there's just someone like down low like a henchman doing henchman things and maybe there's a widow with him as the bodyguard and they you know it shows in the title sequence them jumping down and you know doing the fight unbrainwashing her taking her up and then it's like oh okay and then just like a old 70s you know tv intro we go into them and they're at some office that they've established or something but that's how it'll always start that series will be that helicopter coming it'll just that's how it'll start and you can thank me later disney plus and kevin fine um you're saying kevin fine is that his name fink feige feige that's how you say it f-e-i-g-e feige love your work kevin big fan big fan so I've got a question for you too. We, because overall I did enjoy the movie. It it did it felt good to be watching a Marvel film again. There was aspects of it that were very quote Marvel, what we expect out of a Marvel movie. But now we've been, as opposed to when this timeline takes place post Civil War, we in 2021 have been introduced to Marvel series. So my question with you, because we've been introduced to things, would Black Widow the movie? have worked better as a six-episode series? As opposed to the first film in Phase 4, which would then mean the first film we get would be The Eternals. Is it the first film, Shang-Chi? I thought The Eternals comes and then Shang-Chi. One of those. Either one. Then we it would be New Heroes as the first film to it, but then Black Widow would be the series. We still get the post credit scene, getting ready to go into Hawkeye, but would this have worked better as a TV series as opposed to a film? Well, based on the story specifically they're telling here, the, mm-hmm. the only thing I, I would expand on is maybe Ray Winstone's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but specifically here, I think it works fine as, as a movie. I, I don't think this needed to be a TV show. Agreed. Okay. I think I w- like I say I have a better pitch for a. a this TV is true. We've, we've, this. We already have the gold. You know, um, that's, yeah. that's my fault. I'm I'm getting greedy. I'm I'm here trying to pitch two things to good old Kevin um, when we've already struck gold with the first one. I I think my only interest in this being like a six episode Marvel series would be to expand on Natasha even more. We could probably see a little more of right after Civil War, what that looks like, the hardship. We could even dig into kind of the question, can she reach out to Captain America or how readily can she reach out to those Avengers or not? Yeah, well, well, specifically Thor and Hulk, I think, are the ones that maybe well, she should have been like, oh, well, hold on a second. Well, yeah, especially with Hulk. They're off doing Ragnarok. Well, she doesn't know that. No, she doesn't, but we we could have seen some indication of either her searching for Hulk, because it would have been nice to see her searching for Hulk, and at the same time, later on, Hulk is the same thing, to, to go in through time, seeing if he can search for her or find her. I Then we could have taken a little more time on her and Yelena, which I think we're going to get more of Florence Puig in Hawkeye, 
and I'm hoping that we get more of her as a primary character, not just a character that might show up in episode four and be the baddie. Yeah, um, I, I, I hated that post credit scene. Yeah, the post credit scene was just kind of like, I'm like, really? This is the... I, I, if you were to tell me, hey, you know, the, the reason that the post credit scene is set up this way is because uh, it had to be a closed set, minimal people, you know, we couldn't do anything fancy, we just had to shoot it so that way everything I mean, the scene itself is fine, it's the implication here that I just, that I don't like. Well, I just, it's, I think that it was like, okay, we, we watched Yelena realize she doesn't want to be a soldier of fortune anymore, and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm a soldier of fortune again, and then, one, how how does anybody know how Black Widow died? We saw it. A soul for the soul, man. You saw it. We I saw, saw it. it. Julia we, Julie Louis Drivers didn't see it. How the fuck would she know Hawkeye had anything to do with that death? I think she's just trying to promote chaos and take Hawkeye out of the picture. I guess maybe, but there has to be one some of the sort few of Avengers left. I was about to say he's one of the few Avengers left. He might be the easier because if you're looking at the Avengers, you're like, okay, am I gonna go? Am I gonna go take on the Incredible Hulk? No. Am I going to see if I can go fuck around with the God of Thunder? No. Well, you don't. You don't know what she wants. We, it's true, but I'm just to saying if you're, Hawkeye. yeah, if you're looking at the Avengers and you're looking like, what's the weakest link? I'm not saying Hawkeye's the weakest link, but he's human with. He's obviously Super. superhuman technique. He spent most of the first movie brainwashed. That's fair. Um, I think. Yeah, they use the mind control in the entire Marvel universe. By the way, I I, I I would like to rant on it. And if if you if you if you join the paywall, you're going to get, get a full rant oh, on it, the use of uh, mind control. Patrons only movie. feed. Are you are you you know what Nick? Uh, you got a minute. I, I don't have time. You don't have time. You're you're, nope. you're literally you literally set it up with longer than a minute. Can't do it. This this is a full. You, you just dislike mind control in the MCU, or do you just feel like it's a a crutch? Like just mind control. They use it way too much. Okay. Well, guess what, man? How you yeah, feel like, about mind control? I got a feeling that time travel is about to be that going forward. <laughs> well, I love time control. So fine. I, the thing is, like, I would love to be like. A lawyer in this universe being like oh my client didn't beat his wife because technically he was being mind controlled and who the hell is going to be able to prove that was that was untrue that's the first because example it all you the go goddamn with? time in this universe i don't want you in this universe as that lawyer i'm not calling your number i mean i get it that you might have a I'm, strong I'm case. case i get it that you might have a strong case you know what i'm gonna go there's uh, a guy named Matt Murdock. I hear he does good work, and I'm going to go with him. He works for free? Uh, you know what? He doesn't defend the wrong people. Well, any lawyer can say that. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of my, my point of view when watching this movie here. Okay. Um, I like to play a game with my buddies. Who would it be? John literally did this at the beginning of this podcast with who would it be if we were the point bank, bank robbers? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we do that with all the movies we watch. Uh, who, who in the trivia team is which Avenger? Okay, mm-hmm. um, in Endgame, there is a part where Black Widow tells Captain America that she doesn't really have a family; that the Avengers are her family, 
in this context, when it's who in the trivia team, who, who would it be? If trivia is avenging, I don't have that great of a relationship with my family. So when she said that, and that you guys are it for me, mm-hmm. I was Black Widow. Got it. And I would be the one to sacrifice myself to save all of you guys. Right? If I had to do it, I would. Because you're that important to me. Okay? And coming into this movie, the very beginning when they're little kids and the little sibling hurts himself and the mom kind of like, what did you do? Gives, gives Natasha that look. That's exactly how it was for my family. Mm-hmm. I was the older one and uh, the younger one kept getting hurt. Right? And then even though the relationship was false, it became real, but it was still stunted. And I saw a lot of myself in the character and with the relationship with the family and with the Avengers, like my family would be like, Oh, are your friends now when I have to go do something with them? And where's your Avengers now? It's I, I, everything from that relationship Mm -hmm. was coming right to me, like to to where I I cried in this movie. And uh, I, I liked a lot of it. It, And a lot of it spoke to me. Um, uh, so yes, I'm, I'm going to say it was worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it worth the wait. I'm indifferent on that, as far as because I enjoyed it. I regard. I think I would have enjoyed it the same amount if I had seen it when it was originally supposed to come out, as compared to when it did come out. The only difference is now that and agreed with your take, James. Now that Marvel series have come out, I've seen a type of storytelling in this universe that I really enjoy and this format of it felt a little bit like when you go back and see those phase one movies which they are good but comparatively seeing the other movies that have progressed afterwards it's it feels like it does feel like this movie was a movie that was meant to come out last year and the things that have been released since that were scheduled to be released around that time um, you know post this yeah, those movies do kind of feel like the next step, and it just felt like pretty obvious. We're watching a film that was met, that was created in 2019, and two years later, um, there have been just ways that they've gone about storytelling that I think have advanced it. I wish could have been applied to this, but at the same time, for what this was, I enjoyed it. Here's what's gonna happen. Natasha, don't slouch. I'm not slouching. You're going to get a big hunch. Listen to your mother. Oh my God, this- Up, up, All right, enough, all of you. I didn't say anything. That's not fair. Uh. All right, what's, uh, before we take off, what are you guys watching for this week? What's gonna be on your television? Was that a baby? That was Chloe uh, laughing on a Zoom call of her own. Okay. <laughs> I, too, thought it was a child. Yeah, uh, I've been watching Rick and Morty since it came back on. Agreed. 
the uh, have you, uh, James have you watched the new season uh, I've been watching uh, I also while I was looking around at news headlines for conversation topics for this uh, recording saw that apparently Zack Snyder uh, has said that he would be interested in directing a movie uh, based on Rick and Morty. Oh, and, that, that's great. Zach, uh, Justin just... Roiland apparently is cool with it oh. and <laughs> interested to see what he does. He just wants the chaos. Like his, I believe the tweet was something to the effect of, I thought uh, his, his director's cut of Justice League was, was good, but a bit long. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he, where he goes with Rick and Morty. <laughs> I'm not interested to see where he goes with, I don't need the Snyder cut of Rick and Morty. Um, uh, Ezra Miller's Morty. You don't want to have the, the slow motion uh, effect when Rick opens a portal uh, halfway through a person and then they like slide apart and you the like viscera holding them together squishes through the port. Like that's a thing that happens on the show all the time. Zack Snyder's going to do it in slow-mo, baby. Oh yeah, he's going to do it in slow-mo. With some camera that that's the reasoning being. It's like, no, not to tell the story. I just need to test this piece of equipment. That's we just the have a piece thing. of meat that we get to cut in half with, with something and pull apart. And it's going to look real weird and gross. And then we're going to fancy it up in special effect. They probably don't do any of that. How, how do you feel about Practically. Michael Keaton is his Rick. Ooh. Oh, I do like that. Okay, now now Michael I'm, Sarah as his Morty. Timothy Chalamet. Ooh, Timothy Chalamet. As is Morty. I like that. You can't do Michael Sarah now. He's like 30. Yeah. I feel like he always looks like Michael Sarah. He may be older. Than, is, how old is Michael Sarah? Don't yeah, age yourself. Just, be careful. Do you want I, to know the answer to this? I was going to say Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller would be a great Morty as well. Um, but then at that point, I would just want Ben Affleck as Rick. He's too young for Rick. I don't care. I don't you know what? Give me, you know, give me gray-haired Ben Affleck, just like you got me gray hair Owen Wilson, and I'll be happy. I'd rather have Affleck as Jerry. <laughs> I'd have Wilson as Jerry. Michael Sarah was born in June of 1988. Oh, okay, he so yeah, 33 he's 33 years, years, years old. Hey, he can fuck it, fuck it. He can still do it. Makeup's Probably a great thing. Older than Michael Sarah. Um. James, what's on your television this coming week? Um, I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Uh, last night I watched the first episode of... I'm going to look this up. We're going to cut around this. Because, uh, <laughs> last night this I is also, this saw the first this episode a, of... <laughs> good show, good show. Good show. You know, I was and interested to see on that one. You, um, you it, it takes a while to get into it, but you start it, start it now, and, and you, you'll, you'll uh, get hooked. I'm really late onto it. I haven't started it. Um, Garth, uh, I don't know how you pronounce this last name. M a r e n g h i apostrophe s Dark Place. It is a Dark Place. Uh, it is a mockumentary about a fictional. Uh, haunted hospital drama show <laughs> that was made in the 80s it wasn't made in the 80s it was made in 2004 but it's uh the the host this guy garth uh explaining that uh, he shot this show for for the bbc and when they saw it they decided they didn't want it so they they gave it back to me and now uh because of uh whatever various strike or or situation that's happening they've got some uh, space on the air so they came crawling back to me and said garth please go back down into the basement and and get that reel so here it is and i'm gonna play it for you and it's 
a handful of uh, British comedian or comic actors that I recognize from different things. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, one of the guys from the it's uh, what we do in the shadows TV show uh, is in it. Uh, one of the guys from the IT crowd is in it. Uh, but it I watched the first episode and it was terrific and I'm excited to see where it goes because it it will intercut uh, shots of this purposefully bad and like we're commenting on the <laughs> fact that this guy wasn't an actor and didn't really hit his line right and we didn't get a second take uh and then cut to interviews of these people sitting in chairs smoking pipes and and waxing about uh this thing that they made that they are very proud of that no one has ever seen and they are so excited that somebody is asking them about it finally My for the first time god how did i never see this sounds good uh if you if you uh do a look around for dark place uh uh, it's it's terrific. Thank you. Talk about producer James giving you pearls, everyone. Don't don't sleep on those. Um, I'm gonna be boring, and on my television tonight will be the NBA Finals. Um, I don't I'm not, I don't care who wins. I'm just more excited about the storyline that comes out. Yeah, and we bring that up because Bugs Bunny is actually from Chicago. People don't talk about it, but Bugs Bunny likes uh, tomato slices on his hot dogs, and he'll get into a fist fight with you if you tell him otherwise. That's I've heard very difficult to work with. Yeah, but, but he's a he's a Bulls fan. They're actually going to go with Larry Bird initially. <laughs>